And now that we have adapted to this entire situation and have accepted it, it's going to be even harder for us to say, oh, I, I want to always go to go out, I want to buy, buy food outside, I want to attend live events outside. Yes and no, like recently just like the news in Wuhan, like people don't even want to go out, people, people got everything they need at home. Which means that there is a huge advantage for salespeople, any closer salespeople, agents, experts, to take this chance that now you're all on the same line, you're on the same line in the race, that everybody is back to zero. If you can manage to crack this thing about closing high ticket sales or Zoom sales, uh, even from home, now you're many steps above, uh, ahead of others. And this is the time uh, for people to be ahead of the competition. You've probably heard that your story is your brand. So how can ordinary entrepreneurs and salespeople like you and me tell our stories in a way that cuts through all the noises in this overcrowded social media world and reach the audience that we want? Join me as I break down storytelling secrets that have helped me achieve over eight figures in revenue, as well as interviewing some of Asia's most prominent names and rising stars to uncover their stories. I hope this show will inspire you to be more vulnerable and share your story to the world because your mess is your message. My name is Gabriel Wong and welcome to the Story Impact Show. Okay, awesome guys. So today uh, I'm going to fulfill my promise and I, I mentioned to you guys and promised you guys last week that I'm going to bring a very good friend of mine uh, on, uh, on my Facebook Live, okay? And mainly today we're going to talk about how do you close high ticket sales with Zoom, all right, and, and a framework and a checklist on how any introvert or even an amateur will be able to do that. And uh, I just want to say hi to Shannon first. So can you say hi? Hi, everyone. Shannon here. Um, good friend with Gabriel. Uh, work together very closely for some of our very recent projects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we're gonna we're gonna discuss more on the project later. But for those of you who are coming in right now, uh, I want you to just say hi. To, just say hi to Shannon as well. Um, and let us know in the comment section. So we're going to refer back to the comments from here to then, uh, from, from here and then. And mm -hmm. I want you guys to put in what is your profession. Okay, so later when we, when we do any uh, examples, right, we can actually see some real yeah. examples of different professions. Maybe some of you are in real estate, some of you are in, in property, uh, maybe agency, right? So we want to give some examples of how you actually can close high ticket sales on Zoom. Okay, so uh, let me just do a quick intro while you guys are putting your industry and your profession in the comment section right now. I just want to do a quick intro for Shannon. Uh, mm -hmm. So I've worked with Shannon over the past, actually not very long. We only started working together around six months ago, uh, oh, seven months ago. Yeah, every day, every day we're almost working together, chatting ch yeah. on work stuff. <laughs> yeah, so seven months ago, we had an education company, uh, a few other partners. And yes. uh, you know, this seven, although it's seven months, very fast or seven months already, uh, <laughs> it has been super, super fruitful. Um, the amount of results that we are getting is super amazing, even though we are only seven months old, uh, but we are already the market leader uh, in this industry in Singapore. We are already the market leader. We already taken up a huge amount of the market share. And I can say that, you know, greatly is really greatly thanks to uh, Shannon and his sales system and the sales team that he trained up for, for the company. I, I mean it, Shannon. <laughs> and <laughs> Shannon has worked with a lot of, a lot of big time influencers uh, and have helped, helped to set them, help to set up, um, sales system as well as sales processes and even train up the sales team for these people and has generated more than eight figures in uh, revenue for these companies that she has worked for. So uh, for those people who do not know Shannon, Shannon, could you just give a short intro of yourself? Um, you know, how do you start out in sales and you know, why do you do what you do today? 
Okay, so uh, funny story is that uh, I, I actually started by sales since eight, eight years ago and I've always been in seminars running uh, seminars and events. So the thing is that I had for the past eight years, I really had the privilege to travel over 11 different countries, whether it's in Asia, whether it's in uh, internet uh, globally. Recently, I was just at Amsterdam in London. So really had the privilege as a closer to, to go around the world, uh, meeting different people, different culture, and closing them using the exact same framework. And if I am mentioning about the word closing a lot, uh, it's just a salesperson thing. We should be proud of uh, what we are doing. If we are selling a really, really good product, that is what I always tell people. So uh, with that said, we have closed over about, from my time of eight years, I've closed about seven to eight figures, uh, close to eight figures worth of sales, ranging across events, programs, masterminds, partnerships. I mean, you name it, we have it. Uh, I truly, truly enjoy uh, sales a lot. Um, yes. You mentioned how you started out in, in um, seminars, right? Seminars and yeah. training. That was yeah. how you started out. Um, so I wanted to ask you in the first place, like when you first started out in seminar and sales, right? Do you started out mainly just because I remember your story about how you started out mainly using phone sales rather than face-to-face -face sales? Could you, yes. could you tell us more about your 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 beginning with that? Like how how do you start out from face-to-face -face sales or phone sales first? So I actually started out from phone sales first, and then only in the last maybe three years I started doing face-to-face -face sales. It was quite funny, and when I just started doing phone sales, it was because my uh, previous employees, they didn't, they wasn't even um, that confident of me to do face-to-face -face sales, which is the reason why I have the resort to picking up the leads that people don't want or you cannot close. Uh, yes. That the face-to-face sales. Yeah, yeah, those were days, you know, I had to fought for chance uh, to do face-to-face -face sales, consult sales. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned that like the, you, you did a lot of uh, follow-up with those people who, in a way, like, they are they are rejected ones or maybe they're the one who, who who didn't want to buy and then you have to call them to kind of like convince them to buy yes okay. i think a lot of people have the conceptions that event sales is easier uh, but for me it's actually just about someone already completing the first few steps of process with you for event sales which is the reason why people think that it may be easier for example people may have framed certain stuff pitch certain stuff for you and you have yeah. lesser steps to complete but actually, essentially, you still go through the same steps as a salesperson. It's just that over the phone, you have to walk through the steps that was already completed in events versus you completing these entire steps yourself. I think that's the, that's the huge diff. Uh, yeah. And also, also about how we approach it. I think a lot of people feel that before they even started, they already think that it's tough. And that is the problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. During this whole COVID situation right now, everyone is forced to be at home. Right, mm -hmm. and a lot of my audience are people who are salespeople. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, like even seminars, right? We either are selling one to many or one to one, doesn't matter. But I think at least in Singapore, most of my audience is in Singapore. You know, we are mm -hmm. so used to doing face-to-face -face sales, mm -hmm. right? And that now moving into like Zoom and moving into like uh, online, and people people have to be at home, and you have to take appointments online. There are a lot of people still waiting for life to go back to normal. And in fact, just, just this afternoon, I saw a news article about yeah. how Wuhan just finished their lockdown. So they are no longer in lockdown mode. All right. Yeah. And there was an article about how, you know, restaurants are still not, even though people can go out by choice. And mm -hmm. because new habits has already been created. I mean, like if someone has already been at home and they are receiving food, you know, or maybe they're already learning how to cook, right? For the first time, people who don't know how to cook have to learn how to cook. So yeah. new habits are being created and businesses are affected. So, you know, what do you think about like 
what about sales as well? Like, will, will people not want to face to face as much anymore? You know, like, uh, will we be spoiled because of like, uh, because of Zoom, because of like, uh, web webinars, live events online, and that like, what what does it mean? Does it even make sense for us to meet face to face anymore? Okay, so first of all, I think that COVID nineteen it was uh for businesses um. You know, my good friend John, uh, like we like to always say, there's crisis and there's opportunities, right? So way Z there, like way means danger and Z means Z right? I think that there is huge opportunity during this COVID nineteen period. In fact, I think Lit Vista, our company, is work busier than ever during this period, right? So, um, one of the things that I want to encourage that what whoever that is doing this, uh, to really think that this COVID nineteen is gonna cause a permanent behavioral change for. For don't know how long it may be because it is many months it's probably like one to two months of us not adapting every single thing around our life so that we can work from home and now that we have adapted to this entire situation and have accepted it it's going to be even harder for us to say oh i i want to always go to go out i want to buy buy food outside i want to attend live events outside yes and no like recently just like the news in wuhan like people don't even want to go out. People, people got everything they need at home. So, which means that there is a huge advantage for salespeople, any closer salespeople, agents, experts to take this chance that now you are all on the same line. You're on the same line in the race. That everybody is back to zero. People who, who is not comfortable with doing phone sales or Zoom sales, they are stuck now. And you're stuck now, which is a great thing. You know that all of us are stuck now. If you can manage to crack this thing about closing high ticket sales or Zoom sales, uh, even from home, now you are many steps above uh, ahead of others. And this is the time uh, for people to be ahead of the competition. Just like how Lidista is now, I would like to very proudly say that we're very ahead of the competition because yeah. of the sh- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're totally, we're totally ahead. Like I, 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 I say that I say that not like in a in an arrogant way. But because you know we were willing to take a step forward uh, when the comp- when the competition were, were not willing to, right? Yeah. And one of the things was actually convert to online sales. So um, you know there there are people who there are a lot of people who say that like um, online sales doesn't convert as well, right? Or even face to face one on one doesn't convert as well. Yeah. Sorry, online sales doesn't convert as well compared to face to face one on one, right? Because you have like personal touch, you can build yeah. better rapport. Um, yeah. You know, is that is is that a true statement? What are some of your numbers and data to, to kind of like, what are some of the facts to, 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 to show whether this statement is true or false? Okay, I think it's a very limiting belief. Uh, okay. Limiting belief that, because essentially, you know, one of the things I teach my closers to do is to systemize the way you view sales. If we do close a sales face-to-face, or if we do close a sales online, what was the steps that we technically walk the prospect through that make them want to buy from us? So in events, if there were certain elements that make them buy from us, then the question should be, how can we actually make them want to buy from us to walk through the exact same process and close the sales? So a lot of people say no to a, to, to a thing that is scary, but for me, it's about confronting the how. And once you find out the how, you get the sale. Like for example, for me, for the past seven years, I started out doing phone sales for like four or five years. And I was closing like between... Uh, closing from hundred few hundred dollars products all the way to four figures product all the way to 25 grand products over the phone over zoom and people pay me that sum over the phone or over zoom in one sitting without necessarily me uh, going through many appointments meeting that it was just first appointment done 
So I like to challenge that it is a limiting belief that people have, but now is a brilliant time because people are forced to adapt, to accept it that I need to dump my limiting belief. If not, I'm going to have no money in my bank. So we just yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what about, once again, what about data? Does data show that you get lesser sales online versus face-to-face? Well, let's, let's talk about data, right? Uh, I'm not going to name any specific organization. Before, uh, before the organization did uh, set up, before when the organization is already doing live events, the conversions was already good. Now that we have done, uh, now that the organization has done live uh, webinars, our conversions are even better. Mm. Think about that. Mm. Our conversions are even better and our phone sales follow-up are even more. So what does it say? So, it, the, so the data can lie. The data means that webinar, online sales, phone sales without face-to-face touch point doesn't impact sales. In fact, maybe it sales. Because in my data, it shows that in the recent time during COVID-19, more people are buying online than ever, which means that now is the best time to convince them to buy something online from you because people are forced to adapt to this behavior. So the data for the past few months shows that Online conversion actually rocks. We should do more online events. And uh, just even from phone sales in the past, you know, putting COVID-19 out of the equations, uh, even on Zoom consultations, we have managed to close over 25 right over a phone call. And very commonly, nice. very commonly, uh, very commonly four-figure products is easy to convert as long as you get into a Zoom consultation because there is a face-to-face interaction that mimics uh, that mimics the, 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 the real-life touch. So what we should be thinking about is, is from a marketer point of view, for example, from you, is how, how to actually encourage people to turn up to Zoom appointments. Yeah. So back then, my phone sales follow-ups, even before COVID-19, I was already converting about maybe three out of 10, maybe three to four follow-up sales out of maybe eight to 10 calls. And that is just in the past. Now, the data is the same. My closest mm. post the exact same data. So then, data can't lie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think one of the things is like facts don't lie. Uh, and a lot of people have this uh, limiting yeah. belief or it is this, and it's all emotional, right? They always think that because they're so used to closing face-to-face, they do not want to try something new. Uh, I personally feel that like Zoom is one of the, is one of my favorite way to close because like it, it combines face-to-face because at least you can see people face-to-face. Uh, but yet it removes all the things that are not necessary. So for, I, for example, I really hate, uh, okay, not that, I, not that I totally hate 100%, but most of the time I hate doing a, a face-to-face sales to a prospect because a lot of times, right, like the sales itself, or maybe like the one hour, you know, yeah. 80% of it is not sales. Like a lot of times it's just like small talks and sometimes the clients waste your time and prospect waste your time and, and a lot of unnecessary things. So um, with regards to that, um, then my question is, it takes two hands to clap. You see, it takes yeah. two hands to clap. You know, sometimes we may think that our prospect likes to talk to us and spend a lot more time, but then in contrary, is, is it, did we allow that? Did we condition ourselves to a setting that when we actually arrive at a face-to-face appointment, we are conditioned to build rapport and have a long conversation. Have you had your lunch? Uh, how was your day? How was the weather? How was your business? Oh, tell me more about your family. Before you even actually got into the real stuff. Uh, I think that is a, that is a condition that a, a, like environment has conditioned you to think. But that is not how actually sales work, uh, particularly for the closest that I'm working or training. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, love that. Um, so I want to ask you the next question. So when it comes to sales, especially when you know when you're face to face, a lot of times you it's easier for you to control uh, the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what about Zoom sales? What are some of your tips, right? Or some ways that you use to control a sales call? It's the exact same thing. Like me, me closing online, me closing online, me closing on the phone, it's the exact same thing. It's all about taking control. Uh, one of the elements that I like to talk about is that I want you to imagine that um, this whole sales process is about how to dance with your prospect in a conversation. What do, what do I mean by how to dance? Think about when you learn walls dance. Like people have to be in the same tempo, being in the same chemistry. But here's the thing, there's a prospect and there's the client, right? One of them, and there's a prospect and there's a salesperson, right? One of them must take the lead. And the salesperson must take the lead, which means that you need to always control the pace and not take the limelight off your prospect, which is meaning that you're very prospect focused. And the thing is you want to keep you want to be able to, 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 to keep a conversation simple so that it actually stays in this flow with you as you're dancing in that conversation. Yeah. So uh, in terms of how to get control in a conversation, simple. Take control. State the frame. State the agenda. I think a lot of salespeople always question themselves a common objection that comes saying that, oh, I need to think about it. Oh, uh, let me mull over uh, what you have suggested and maybe I'll talk to my partner and then I'll come back and, and, and revert back to you which maybe take a few weeks or it never comes back, right? So I believe anybody who's watching this right now, if you're a salesperson, you get what I mean. But now the first, the, the first thing that you should actually do as a salesperson is to state your agenda. Hey, you know what? I'm highly sought after in the industry. If you're here to talk to me, it must mean that you're serious and committed. If you're not t- serious about taking your business to the next level, you shouldn't be talking to me. All right. Mm. So the purpose of this entire conversation is to support, is to actually identify and see if you're actually someone that I can help. Uh, whether it's in terms of the product or services that I'm rendering, and if I can help you, you will need to make a decision by, let's say, for example, today, or if it's a very big deal, maybe by end of this week. For example, so we want to take control right from the start rather than letting the conversation free flow. And normally, when you let the conversation go free flow, you never get the sale. Yeah, that's really awesome. Love it. Um, I wanted to follow up with that in terms of earlier you mentioned that. Um, so this wasn't part of the questions I was going to ask, but about how mm-hmm. you want to frame people and that you know, okay, so today, if you're on a call with me. You know, it's, it's about how I can help you and, um, and, and, and you, you, put a, you set a frame, all right? And I'm highly sought after. You mentioned about you're highly sought after and therefore mm-hmm. you don't jump on a call with everybody, right? So if they are in a call, it means that they want to achieve something. So yeah. I think one of the things that I get a lot from teachings like that is that people will say, what if I'm not an expert? What if I'm not a highly sought after that? Uh, highly sought after yet. So yeah. how then do they frame their, uh, their audience and how do, they, how do they dance with the audience? Okay, great, great. So for example, before I, before I get to where I am today, one of the typical questions that people would say that, oh, you look like you're quite young or you look like, you know, you, I mean, you're just starting out. Uh, why should I work with you? You know, typically prospect like to challenge you. Why should I work with you? So here's one tip to not shut them up, but to make to refocus them to actually be really interested in taking the deal with you. Say this, saying that, are you looking for results or are you looking for experience? Are you looking for results or are you looking for experience? Mm-hmm. So if they say, if they, and definitely what would they say? They would say results. Okay, great. If you're talking about results, you're talking to the right person. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I, 
deliver the results that I have stated in terms of aligning your expectation to that I'm supposed to achieve for you. I'll, maybe you can do some refund or you can do something that, okay, I'll extend my, my time of working with you, for example. But you need to deliver a promise. One of the things that I teach my closers or salespeople or business owners that I am coaching is that you must be confident in what you offer and it must be a good offer. So it brings out a natural conviction. You cannot sell what you don't have, right? But uh, you, you, must, you must sell fervently with conviction on what you know you have. Mm. Right, you're more hardworking than other people, you know more stats than other people, or you have closed more, you have, you have served the niche clients that you are serving, you talk about niche, right? You, you have served the niche clients that you have served that uh, uh, are probably, um, that, that maybe other people don't speak to that niche, but you speak to that niche really, really well. Those are track records. I think people are blinded by the fact that they need to be the top, but what is exactly the top? There's never mm. the top. Like what exactly is an expert? An expert is just someone who is ahead of someone who is not as ahead of you, right? Mm. So you need to find the right audience, uh, which is what you probably share with them as well. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, I have another question that again is not not prepared. So like I'm I'm throwing a lot of questions to Shannon that we that we never prepare. Okay, <laughs> because like I'm learning something from the conversation. Are you guys learning? If you guys are learning, can you just comment yes in the comment section right now? <laughs> quite quite a number of people are watching right now. Oh, so. Oh uh, I think we have about 60 right now, 60 to 70 wow. live okay. right now. Yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, the earlier question that I wanted to ask you is, so you mentioned that don't offer, you, you said that don't offer what you don't have. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of like salespeople, um, they, mm -hmm. they want to pretend to be an expert because they, there's this saying like, you know, fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are your views on that? Okay. So first of all, uh, the things that I share with my closers are some people say that it's, it, it's highly persuasive. And because it's so highly persuasive and dangerous, I only actually train closers or salespeople that has high integrity in selling good offers. The day that, honestly, if I know of someone, anybody who has a lack of integrity and selling a bad offer, I will never teach or even work with that person. This is my standpoint. Not every salespeople are like that, which is why the clients that work with me, I'm very, very, very selective about it. But now then the second thing is about uh, fake it till you make it. Well, then to a certain degree, that is very true. Like for example, seven years ago, when I just started sales, I probably don't look like that. I probably don't speak like that. I probably don't know as much knowledge that I have now. I'm probably at 10% of where I am, but I still close well. Why? Because I'm confident of myself. The core confidence that you will work harder than anyone, you will serve better than anyone, you will go 110% for your clients. And this is the conviction that people want because people don't buy products or services. People buy people. At the end of the day, people don't buy products or services. Think about insurance, right? There's insurance everywhere. You throw one stone, there is like 20 financial advisors or more around you that are financial advisors. But here's the thing. When you finally settle down on one financial advisor or property agent, why? It's always, always, always the person. You pick, you pick a business partner, it's the person. Everything is person-focused as much as a lot of technology is around. Uh, but the trust that people have is not based on, to a certain degree, it's based on their experience, but more about your conviction and dedication. If you can sell that even if you have nothing much yet, that's what customers buy. Yeah. Mm. Love it, love it. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. Um, I want to take it slightly to a different direction. So I always, in, in my training, I always talk about um, how I like to rely on framework because mm -hmm. sometimes I, I feel that like, uh, 
some people think that they cannot be a good salesperson because they lack the charisma or they lack uh, uh, they are not extrovert, for example. And I think um, this is something that a lot of people don't believe. But when I first started in sales, I actually like failed or got rejected 20 times in a row. So it doesn't mean that like, now people say that I'm maybe charismatic. I don't, some people say I'm charismatic or some people say that I, I can talk. I, I'm an extrovert. I, I'll be open with that. doesn't mean that if you are charismatic, doesn't mean you're extrovert. Means you can you means you can sell. And yeah, I remember the first time I saw, even on stage, the first time I saw on stage, right, I bombed it. Like literally nobody buy and it was really bad. And, and one of my, back then, one of my friends who, who actually taught me a framework on himself, he told me this. Say, Gabriel, you cannot always use flair. You cannot always use charisma. You got to rely on a framework. And when I find myself, you know, relying back into a system, a framework, right, it always works. So what is like some of the framework that you use or maybe a checklist, processes, a system mm -hmm. that you use when it comes to, uh, when it comes to sales? Yeah, so I think one of the sales principles that I share with my closers is that a great salesperson should not only be able to close well, but you should always able to know what went wrong if you didn't close well. Mm. Like, if you don't know these elements, it's a fluke. That's my standpoint. And why we rely on frameworks is because it gives you predictability. Predictability gives you uh, the ability to probably project yourselves and have true scalability. Why? Because you know that if, okay, if I do, let's say 10 appointments and I close four to reach 400, I need whatever amount, 100,000, right? So, so then in this case, uh, I'll always rely back on uh, frameworks. So one of the frameworks that I like to share, like for example, I kind of gave a hint about, about it uh, earlier on, which is about framing to close. A lot of people don't state their agenda right from the start because of the fear that the client may walk away. But here's the thing. If the client walk away, they're meant to walk away anyway at the end of your conversation. And you then not only waste their time, you waste your time. And the way as a salesperson we should see ourselves is that we are helping people and these people shouldn't be wasting our time either. And that is the kind of message that I tell myself. So first step, you need to frame to close, right? Now, the second step, once again, uh, some salespeople, when they're new, uh, they're very uncomfortable with the topic of making people uncomfortable. I recall I was training a, a Malaysia uh, business owner. He actually runs a yoga center, and he's a very, very introverted. By the way, I'm an introvert also. He's a very, very introverted guy. His name is called Alan. I don't, I don't believe in you. <laughs> I don't believe in that. <laughs> okay, but carry on, carry on. <laughs> So Alan was a, Alan is a but like when he talked to me, he doesn't even dare to like, you know, look at me in the eyes. So one of the things I gave him is I gave him the exact framework. I said that you need that. So when we did our role play and then he said, the literally word by what he said, must I make this, ask these questions? It makes me uncomfortable. I said, your job is to make me uncomfortable. Why are you being uncomfortable? So, <laughs> so we role play. <laughs> And then the wife was laughing at the side and then we role played a few times. And then fast forward three months later, he told, actually two months later, he actually wrote to me in, in, in the chat that we have. And he actually mentioned to me saying that Shannon, oh my God, your process really works. I really close my clients. My wife is the same framework. It really works. Now the question is, if a framework can help someone who's introverted and zero sales experience to close sales, then we should all choose framework. Right. It doesn't matter how charismatic you are. It doesn't matter uh, uh, how experienced you are. Because the next level after a salesperson becomes a great salesperson, a great rainmaker, is about how can you duplicate your sales force, right? 
So if you can't even understand a framework or a system to train and impart to your salespeople, how can you actually reach true scalability? You can't. So it is in view of the future that why we want to come up with all of these things. Yeah, mm. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what is your framework when it comes to sales? Okay, so so good question. Uh, it's only because of you. That's why I'm sharing this. <laughs> yeah, by the way, can I just can I just say first that like uh, Shannon doesn't do things like that very often. In fact, I don't think like I've been pushing her to, I think this is the first time she's actually sharing this online. So you yeah. guys are in for a treat, right? So um, the first time I learned framework, uh, that day itself, it was just like a one hour consultation with her. I actually generated $50,000 more profit, right? At my event, just at the day alone, uh, just on the day alone. So um, so I want you guys to really listen up to this uh, framework that she's going to teach. So can you can you just share a bit more about what uh, what is your framework? So, so take, your, take your notes down. So first step is about framing to close. State your agenda, okay? State your agenda right from the start. If, they wanna, if they're serious, they'll talk to you. They'll continue the conversation. If they're not serious, you shouldn't be talking to them, <laughs> okay? So um, the next thing is about bringing them to a hot seat. Think about it. Uh, when it comes to sales, there's the push and there's the pull factor, right? So there's the push and then there's the pull factor. So when I talk about pushing, what push people? Fear, hot seat. Like, can you imagine that if you're wherever that you're online and you're sitting on a bed or on a chair or something, imagine the seat keep getting hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter, but you're chained to it. You're chained to it and you can't move. Does that make you want to get out of the place much faster? Much, maybe like there's a sense of urgency to jump out? Now, that's the, that's the push factor that you want. You want to put your prospect on a hot seat. To actually acknowledge the, the current challenges and the problems that they're actually facing, facing the uncomfortable. Because only best friends and good friends dare to be talking about uncomfortable stuff with you. So if I'm talking about that to you, I care about you. That is the signal that prospect is actually getting. Now, the third, the third step is actually associating the brightness of the future with you. Associating the brightness of the future with you. What do I mean by that? Right now, that's the pull factor. You want people to be pulled towards. You want people to have a desire to lean to you, right? So how to do that is that you need to make yourself attractive. You need to make your offer attractive and sexy. And based on the problems that they have stated, you want to associate yourself as a solution. How you can help them. So now that's about associating the brightness of the future with them. Now the fourth step. Okay, I can tell you, this is like a this is a secret ingredient that people don't know. Uh, I'm going to reveal to you guys, okay? So it's about making them feel heard. Meaning to say that a lot of times salespeople think that we just talk and I just sell and I just bring them on a hot seat. I bring them, talk about the future, you know, how good is it to work with me? And then that's it, and I start pitching. But here's the problem. You were, maybe you could have it, you were having a 20 minute conversation about a, about a great conversation going on a journey with them, right? Fast forward, suddenly when it talks about sales, it's like, okay, great. So now it's my time to talk about the offer, right? Now it's my time to share. Suddenly there is a disconnect, like, hey, I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that awkward transition, right? And in Singapore, like, you know, in, in, in Hokkien, we always know that, like, uh, like whenever someone transits to sales, it's like, it's like, Lai Liao, you know, Lai Liao, coming with it, you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So it's the same thing. Like you need to ease them into it. You need to transition them into it. 
So that is where you want to make them feel heard and you actually summarize the things that they have mentioned from their challenges uh, to, the, to, the, to, to what they really, really want with you by working with you. You want to summarize that and simply ask them, is that what you want? That goes to my next point, next point. So I've covered framing to close, bring them on a hot seat, associate a brightness, making them feel heard. And now this next step is about having the consent to close them. <clears throat> Asking for permission. So, you know, I have spent over like five, I think I spent, I spent six figures in a worth of sales course, learning from the top guns, whether it's like Grant Cardone, uh, uh, Tom Hopkins, Brian Tracy, uh, some of the Singapore sales people. I've all paid for all these courses before because I was a fanatic about sales and the process and the psychology, right? So I spent a lot of money on that. But now here's the thing. Most of the top sales gurus or trainers, there are mainly US or UK people. I've studied it for the past eight years. They're mostly overseas. There's no one in Asia that is quite prominent, right? Even for Dan Lok, right? Even though he has a Hong Kong accent, but he's wrong. I think Canada, right? Canada, I can't remember yes. that. Right, so, so then here's the thing. UK, US has a completely different culture, completely different environment, completely different characteristics. It's about make America big again. They're very visionary, very abstract. And now we're talking using the same framework for an Asia market. It doesn't work because I've tried it, right? Because Asia, we are more introverted. We want more details. We, we need more love. Like we need to be more nurtured. You know, we need to be like Sayang, you know, in Singlish sense. So, so, so in this case, uh, we want to have, ask them the permission. Is it okay if I talk about the offer with you, if you want to? And most of the time when you ask, they won't reject. They'll say yes. <coughs> then, and it removes, the, it removes the awkwardness, right? Because you're already asking them for permission, you can sell them. It's like you barging into person's house door versus, knock knock, can I come in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Different feeling, right? So, uh, so after that, then you present, uh, then you start to present your offer and integrating uh, based on what they say, why it's suitable for them. And then also sitting in, uh, also sitting certain ideas that they need to make decisions today. Uh, don't always stay at the start and always say at every point of time that they need to pay today. Uh, in a subtle way, I talk about closing sales elegantly. I talk about closing sales in a classy way. In a self-closing mentality way, you're not forcing people to buy, but people want to buy from you. I think that is where great sales happen and great sales experience happen. <clears throat> so I talked about the consent to close, right? And you start closing them, right? Now that comes the next part, which is objections, mm. right? So one of the typical things, so Gabriel, what are some of the objections? <laughs> As in like, what, what do you mean by that? What do you think are some of the common objections? Common objections would be, uh, I need to ask my mother, my wife, my partner, dog, you know, uh, my partner, <laughs> exactly, I, I need to think about it, I don't have the money now. Yeah, these yeah. are some of the common objections. Any common objections you guys have, could you just put it into the comment section, maybe if there's some, maybe if there's some interesting one, maybe we can talk about how we can, uh, yeah, how yeah, we can yeah. answer that. Yeah, but, yeah, but that'll be fun, right? But uh, how do you answer these objections? Okay, so first of all, uh, I actually use a very uh, 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 unorthodox approach. A lot of people, or even a lot of sales training, when they talk about sales objections, they like to tackle, they call it handle the objection. I don't handle the objection. I normalize the objection. Think about it. If I say right now to whoever who is your audience watching this, and I say, think about the pink elephant. You think about the pink elephant, right? Which 
it's not to your advantage when it comes to sales. A lot, a lot of salespeople, when they, let's say if I say I have no time, then the salesperson asks, oh, why do you have no time? Then you start going deeper and deeper. Like, oh, what's the things that is going on in your job? Why you have no time? Like, you start to amplify the pink elephant and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're not actually helping yourself in the sales. One thing that you could have simply, simply, simply have done is just that, oh, you said you have no time. By the way, so just, just curious, what motivated you to go on a consultation with me anyway? Nice. What did I just do? I just yep. threw it out the window and then I said, yep. okay, let's talk about your intention first. Because awesome. if, if, if your intention is stronger than their pink elephant, you win. Uh, I always talk about it to my closers as well, that sales is a tug of war. And it's a tug of war between two salesperson, the prospect and you. It's either the prospect close you or you close them. It's either the prospect close you on their mentality or you close them on your mentality. That's it. So, yep. Now, yep. Uh, the last step. Yeah. Last step. So, anyway, so that's, that's really amazing. I have some people are asking... Like, um, so common objections would be like, you know, you're usually, I need to think about it. I need to discuss yeah. my wife, my husband, my son. Um, think about you know, it. I think, yeah, I think those, those, right, in a way, Shannon has really answered that, right, by normalizing it. And, and what she did was to bring back to the, to the intention. Like, why did we go on a call in the first place? Why are you still on a call with me right now? So you go back to their original intention. What, what was the result they want to achieve? Uh, there's actually yeah. one question, which is, can you guarantee result? How do you handle objections like that? Can you guarantee, never guarantee results? All my past eight years, I have never guaranteed results. It's because it is not your duty to guarantee the results. It takes both hands to clap. Uh, depends on what products that you are, uh, it depends on what product you're selling, I'm not sure. But 90% or 95% or of the businesses don't, cannot guarantee results. Because there's so many variables to, that will happen. And one of the easy way to ask them is to actually ask them back the same question. Can you guarantee that whatever that I'm about to tell you to do, you're going to do every step of it for the next entire year with me to make sure that you get the results that I want you to get? Can you guarantee me that? <laughs> then chances are, by the way, I really asked that uh, uh, to my prospect, in, of course, in a nice way. Uh, yeah. and, then like, uh, and then I'm like, exactly, that's my point. I say success, success in anything. It takes both hands to clap, yeah. right? Sales is not about being fluffy. Sales is not about being emotional. Sales is not about being about aggressive. Sales is about using logic uh, to persuade and then using emotions to close. That's what sales mm. is, right? Mm. So yeah, I hope I yeah. answered that. That's, that's a good one. So what, what do you do after? So you mentioned earlier that, uh, so you normalize and then what's the next step that you do? Your yeah, last step. Okay, last, last step, okay. you seal the deal. You need to seal the deal. Just like how you have a cake after you bake a nice, Cake. You have done all your decoration, right? You want to add maybe like a cherry on top to make the icing on the cake that actually seals the deal and fulfills the presentation, right? So one of the things that I do is actually I future pace them. So I future pace them uh, depending on the how big the investment that you're closing. I mean, I I use this to 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 close a lot of things. I not disclose what I've closed, but between on average, some between five to. At least five figure, lah, okay? Yeah. So, uh, future pacing meaning to say that a lot of people, when they future pace and visualize the, the next steps after buying from you, they visualize fear. 
they visualize nervousness, they visualize that they don't know what to do, they visualize that they made a wrong choice. Because their brain is wired in a way to protect them, to make conservative choices. And probably when you sell them, you're selling them to an uncomfortable position. So they always try to go back, right? So one of the things that you want to do is to future, day, future pace them for them, right? Telling them that, okay, so the next steps after you actually, let's say, purchase this product or this plan from me, uh, what's going to happen is that I'm going to meet you in the next appointment on this day and this time, and I'm going to walk through these exact policies on how it will actually aid your uh, financial portfolio and how your potential family can actually have a positive impact from it. And very quickly, maybe in the next few months, I may check in with you again, and then maybe a year later, we can look into... Uh, you know, enhancing your portfolio when you're in a financially better place so that you can be financially free, for example. I'm just making that out of thin air, okay? Mm. So, so uh, you're, you're, paint, you're painting a future for them, right? Yeah, you're, you're already fixing the future for them. Because if you don't fix the future for them, they fix it themselves. And if they fix it themselves, it's always negative, mm. right? 90%, I like to say I assume it's negative because you want to assume it's negative so you make it positive, yeah. So they get excited about the future with you, then you have successfully sealed the deal. Because closing a sale that will back out, closing a sale that will refund is not a sale. Mm -hmm. It's easy to just get the money, but it's hard to keep the money. Think about it. It's easy to get the money, it's harder to keep the money. You want to keep the money. And that is what a lot of sales you fail to uh, realize or sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think it, it was, um... I think I learned it from you or something that um, it doesn't mean that when you see the sales ended, right? Yeah. The sales process is, yeah, because you don't want them to refund, you want them to back out, right? You want to be able to future pace them. Uh, yeah. You want to be able to paint them a, a bright future so that, you know, they, they can see what's ahead, right? Yeah. And have more assurance. And, and it's all about aligning expectation. I, 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 I mean, I do meet a lot of good salespeople as well as good salespeople who are ethically and morally not right. Like, what do I mean by that? There's a lot of good salespeople around, but there's good salespeople with integrity and there's good salespeople with no integrity. So good salespeople with no integrity, they paint future that is too fluffy, they guarantee results, they say things that they will do, but they don't do it. Yeah. And that puts people in, uh, it totally ruins your reputation, uh, which is the reason why you want to future pace them, not only to make them excited and also to align expectation on what to exactly expect from you so that you can actually deliver or over-deliver, and know when you would under-deliver. It's all about systems, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, speaking about system, anyway, I, I love what you have um, covered so far. I'm actually learning something again. Even though I heard, I mean, I've been sales for like um, so many yeah. years, over, over a decade already, but you know, I'm still learning something even until now, right? It, it, because yeah. it's always a continuous learning. I've been learning uh, amazing stuff from uh, Shannon. How many of you guys in the in this uh, live right now, if you are learning something, can you just comment learning in the comment <laughs> section right now? Yes. Okay, so I want to, I want to see uh, the interaction coming. Uh, yeah. I, still have a few more, I still have a few more things, uh, but just wanted to kind of like assure everyone again that mm -hmm. actually, right, sales online is so much easier because if you have taken, anyway, Shannon just shared a lot of gold and you have taken her framework, right? You could have prepared your questions beforehand. And you see the amazing thing about Zoom call is that you can put the question just right beside. <laughs> right? And, and, and no, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys a real story. What happened was that my first ever Zoom call sales was about two weeks ago, okay? When I first started my agency. And um, that my first Zoom, Zoom call, I actually closed or clinched a 100K deal, a 100K USD deal, all right? Yeah. I thought 
I thought it was uh, I thought when he said yes to me, right, it was uh, maybe a, a prank or something. <laughs> but he did, he transferred the money immediately, right after. He was a, he was a Malaysian uh, entrepreneur, transferred 100k USD uh, just mm-hmm. from one Zoom call. And I remember the first time I did a Zoom call, I was so nervous. But see, the amazing thing, because when you're doing Zoom, you have, I, c- I could have prepared my questions, right? So I have a framework right here. And whenever, even all the objections, right? I mean, obviously, you don't flip and, and it's so obvious, right? But, but at least there's something that can help you, right? To, to make sure that, you know, plans are in the right direction. And whenever yeah. they go off track, objection, whatever, you can bring them back to the, to the, to the original yeah. point, which is, that, which is that intention and the results yeah. wanted in the first place. So, so yeah. the funny thing is, uh, I'm just going to give a bonus as well. Like, yeah. as you know, I've trained events team for many years as well. Uh, we yeah. run multiple hundreds of events a year, right? So, <clears throat> with that said, as a successful event manager, it's the same as a successful salesperson. It's quite funny. Uh, we require these three secret ingredients in terms of ability. Is your ability to anticipate? Is your speed of reaction? As well as your preparation. Think about it. Your speed in terms of a reaction in real time. Your anticipation. What can you anticipate the next question will be? as well as preparation, how well you actually prepare in terms of your product knowledge, in terms of the structure, have you been rehearsing, have you been evaluating yourself? Like salespeople is hard work, but if you, it's like from, it's from, from normal to good, it's easy. From good to great, that's hard, mm. right? That, then that requires the details to, to get it right, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Love it. Um, we're going to take some questions right now from, okay. uh, from the audience. Uh, but before that, right, um, I, I just want to say that whatever you guys are learning right now, this 40 minutes don't do Shannon any justice because um, she has so much to share. I'm not kidding. Like so much, much more to share. Um, so I want to be able to give the audience an opportunity to actually learn from more from you. Mm-hmm. You know, Shannon has been amazing. I mean, like right now, I, I think I just saw a few comments. John Lee is actually watching this whole thing right now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, John, John, yeah, because they are they are pretty good, they are pretty good friends. Yeah, I think John. Yeah, John is like he's, he came here at the start and then he said uh, he just commented not go. Right. So so I want you guys to know that whatever Shannon is sharing, right? Uh, she's amazing, and I've been pushing her to kind of like give more value and kind of like share all these things that she know right with more people because it's going to help a lot of people. So, um, is there any way that you know they can find you um and learn more from you in the future? Uh, I, I think I think when you first approach me to say hey let's do, let's do some uh, let's do some work on and, and share more of the idea of sales with more people, uh, it was actually something that I'm quite uncomfortable about. But I also felt like it's time for me to break out of my comfort zone. And by the way, if you like my content, please let me know because it's my first ever time doing this. Okay, I don't know whether you guys like it. Is it is it useless? Is it useful? Please let me know. Okay. Uh, well, I think that. I, I think I can form a Telegram group where I can share more nuggets of uh, of knowledge, case studies, uh, uh, tips and tricks uh, to really help you guys to close sales over Zoom. It's uh, something that I always love. Like, like, like I'm going to be doing a lot of Zoom closing over the next few months. Like, a lot. Mm. So, there's a lot of data and experience to share. If you guys are interested, mm. of course. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that would be amazing, right? If you have so much Zoom call sales, I think even in the future, maybe... Uh, I think uh, you have to ask permission, right? But you could record some and break down some of the sales call and some of the objection, maybe maybe blocking out the, mm-hmm. the client's face or something like that. I don't know, just, just an idea so that people can actually learn on the spot. How many of you think that would be, that would be amazing? <laughs> <laughs> just like, I'm like trying to push Shannon to... 
How many think that would be amazing? Just comment yes in the comment section. <laughs> I'm putting it on the spot, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, no, the funny thing is that uh, one of the things that I teach my salespeople to do is that to always record their sessions. Whether it's on phone, whether it's on face-to-face, whether it's on Zoom, they record all of it. Because they will, their homework is to actually review on their closing and tell me what went right and what went wrong. Uh, the funny thing is, I also do it myself because I walk the talk. Uh, I do have a lot of things, but probably need a sensor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably need to like blur because out their face and you know do some voice voice changing or something like that. <laughs> but that'll be that'll be really cool, right? Watching uh, a live sales live objection and how do you actually handle it? I think that'll be pretty amazing. Uh, anyway, so I've I made it, uh, I made life easier for everyone. Um, we have put in the Telegram group for Shannon. All right, it's a newly created group. If I'm not wrong. Uh, Shannon has created a brand new group and she'll be adding a lot more value in there and I want you guys to follow her. Um, the group link has already been put into the comments. I pinned the comment up so you guys can have easier access to it. So you just need to click on the link and join the, the group, okay? So there are some questions coming in right now. We're just going to see whether we can answer some of them. Uh, we're going to hey. pick some that, that is a bit more relevant. And mm-hmm. for the rest of you guys, right, if you guys are watching this, still watching this, we're going to have some Q&A session. So please put as much, I mean, as many questions as you want uh, any questions on mind right now? And I put it in the comment section. And of course, um, we, we I, I, don't, I cannot guarantee we answer all right, but you know we will do our best to answer as much as possible. Okay. So, so you guys, uh, please remember to put in your questions. Yeah, go ahead. Shannon. Definitely want to know uh, what's you guys' thoughts on the content I've shared so far. It's my very, very first time sharing this publicly, uh, even though I've been doing this for years and really, really helping a lot of people. I think the, the, these, these sales techniques, I can tell and assure you that whether it's on Zoom, whether it's offline, it works. I've used this exact same system to close an average of 200 to 800 grand for every gigs of projects that I take on, on average. So, and I've put on quite some gigs. So if that's, if you are someone who is looking to learn how to close high ticket, this framework works for low ticket, high ticket, mid ticket, it doesn't matter. As long as you're closing something, this thing works. So yeah. it's meant to be simple and, 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 and easy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna take in questions right now. I think I just want to cover some uh, people that, uh, some, someone was asked a bunch of other questions earlier when we were doing the uh, when we were doing the handling objections. So someone asked, uh, putting deposit, I think that's one of the most common objections, right? Can I just put a small deposit first? How do you handle objections like that? Oh, well, I guess the question is how big the sum is. If you're telling me a hundred grand deal, then yeah, <laughs> you have to yeah. place a deposit. First. I think it really, it, it, you have to walk through the entire process with your prospect. What do I mean by that? For example, if someone say, I want to place a deposit, don't stop just there and say yes or no. Ask them, uh, is there a reason why you can't commit to a full payment as discussed earlier? That's a simple question. So then they have to justify. If they know that they got the money and they don't want to pay, they'll be very pricey. If they know that, right? They're like, uh, no, it's because, or if they genuinely have no money, but they really, really want to be engaging you, then of course, then they will say that, oh, I'm trying to make this amount of deposit so that I can move forward with you in this. And over the next few days, blah, blah, blah. So you want to talk through this process with your prospects saying, that, okay, you know, here's the thing. I only confirm the engagement with my clients upon full payment. And there's a lot of people on the list. I'm not going to lie. People want my service. And I don't want you to be one of those people who leave a deposit and then actually you're not very keen. So are you committed on the scale of one to 10? How committed you are, right? Then they'll be like, okay, I am damn committed. I'm like nine. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like dying to join you. So I say, okay, great. 
Play, if that's the case, what's the maximum deposit that you can make to show your commitment? Right? Simple question. And then they say, oh, I'll be able to make this amount. I'll say, great, I'll take it. I'll take it. Mm. And when's the, next, when's the balance going to come? This, mm. These are uncomfortable questions. People always feel a bit uncomfortable asking about payment. I love asking for payment. That's what makes your time uh, worth talking with that prospect. Your job is to close the sales. This is part of the process. Yeah. Mm. I actually have a question before... Uh before I, I bring up some of the questions. Uh, question is, um, earlier you mentioned about how you're supposed to make your prospect uncomfortable. Right? <laughs> and I think a lot, a lot of people have this idea that like, they, they don't want their prospect uncomfortable. You know, what is your reasoning? What is the logic behind it? Okay, so uh, I mentioned it before, but also I want to clarify something. Being uncomfortable yes. doesn't mean pushy, doesn't mean salesy, yep. doesn't being uncomfortable is about putting them, putting a mirror in front of them. Like we must must understand that there must be a reason why people are finding you in the first place. They have a problem to solve, and people will try to not talk about their problem. You need to make them talk about their problems, and that is the uncomfortable part. So uh, about making them uncomfortable, why it's so important is like a hot seat. You want to put people on a hot seat with a mirror showing them the real problems that they are facing that makes them want to get out and move. If not, people wouldn't move. People are conditioned to stay in a comfortable environment. So you want to kind of like, you know, uh, make it so hot that they jump. They jump mm. to the other side on a good side with you. Mm. Yeah. Love it. That's a good answer. Um, someone asked a question on Okay, so I think this question probably we, they can rewatch. Uh, re so Jenna asks, how is online, how is offline sales relevant to online sales? I think we covered that at the beginning of this video. So um, when this live ended, there's probably a, it will be uploaded on Facebook. So you actually can go and watch the whole beginning. We have already covered that. Um, Christy asks, okay, so this is not more of a question, but more of like, uh, love it. You know, are you on social media? Can't, can't seem to find you. I, <laughs> I'm going to answer this for her, okay? Shannon is one of the few people who are behind the scenes. So there are two types of people. There are people like me who are in front. So I'm like the, I'm the face, I'm the clown, right? But <laughs> the real people, right, who are, who are really good at what they're doing right, are always behind the scenes. So I'm more like a front person. Shannon belongs to the type of people who are always behind the scenes. Like, always handle most of the back-end stuff. Yeah, wait. So, <laughs> yeah, so she, she hasn't really been building media, which is why I'm pushing her to do it. Uh, and you know, if you want to be able to learn more from her, the Telegram group is the first is the first step. Should be creating more stuff. Uh, but Telegram is the first step for you to find more information on her. Yeah. yeah. Anything you want to say yeah. to that? <laughs> uh, I guess you know, as a good friend, he knows me very well. Uh, unfortunately, I, when I mentioned this, is the first time I'm sharing all this with you. It is the first time. And the second thing is that uh, one of the things is that I'm an extremely private person uh, in terms of I'm a really shy person and I'm a really introverted person in real life. Like when the, on the days that I'm not closing, I'm really quiet. So uh, when I'm outside, so which is the reason why uh, my accounts are private, which means that you can't find me on Facebook, you can't find me on Instagram. Well, you can find me on Instagram because I work with Gabriel very often and he posts photos. <laughs> yeah, so, probably you see us see our story or something. Yeah, but uh, my Instagram handle for anybody who is looking to follow me, I'll probably, I'm private soon. Uh, my Instagram handle is hey Shannon Go. So like how Gabriel's Instagram handle is hey Gabriel Wong, mine is hey Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N, Go. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. all of us have a hey in front. People are going to start yeah, asking why. Yeah, 
Uh, I have another question. Um, someone asked, how do you follow up or revive an old lead? Okay, how do you follow up and revive an old lead? Yeah. Okay. I think this is slightly more like a marketing question, um, but mm -hmm. I want to ask you maybe in terms of like, maybe when you call them and things like that, how do you actually like, you know, rebuild the relationship again? Old lead, right? So yeah. the old, is it a loss sale or is it a, a more for like more sale? Is it to increase the lifetime value of the user or is it like... Good question. I think maybe in this context, uh, because someone asked this question, I think it's Hui Qing asked this question. So maybe you want to clarify, but I have a feeling it's more like, uh, in this context, it's maybe more like old leads, lost sales. Lost sales. Okay. So one of the things I, okay, I'm going to share with you guys a lot of counterintuitive move that is very strategic. Mm. My answer to this is don't sweat over it. Those people who are lost sales, they are lost sales. You, they, if, if they have unfortunately lost certain faith in you or you have done it wrongly, it's very hard to, for you to work hard on these sales again. So then my question is, it's actually easier for you to gain a new lead than to revive an old lead. So your focus should be gaining a new lead, which means, I mean, Gabriel is perfect when you talk about lead generation and marketing. So he's the authority of that. Uh, yeah, but that's what I would do. I will not even care about the old lead. Like I can tell you, let me share some stats, okay? Oh, maybe hundred calls that you have, right? Fifty of that, fifty percent of them are not gonna pick up your call no matter what. Maybe the weather is the problem. Maybe skepticism is the problem. Maybe anything is the problem. They just won't pick up your phone. And if you keep calling these fifty percent, that will not pick up your phone no matter what. You're wasting your time. And one of the principle as a salesperson is don't waste your time. That is why I share with my closers. A lot of things that I share with my closers privately are the things that have got them to close over six figure on minimum individually on any gigs that they actually go to. So I uh, really need to follow on this. Uh, then, <clears throat> yeah, I hope I answered the question. Yeah, I, I think I agree as well. Like I don't usually dwell on old leads because it's yeah. easier to just get new leads who are hot and fresh. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if I can answer it from a standpoint, um, you know, build your email list, right? So if your, your old list should be in your email. And what you want to do is you do want to, because when you do like one-on-one -on -one sales call or, um, you know, when you try to follow up with them by texting, you're actually, you're actually wasting a lot of time because that time could have been spent somewhere else. There's no leverage. But if that lost lead is part, let's say I have a lot of lost lead and they are part of my email list, right? All I need to do is just send, send one email and reach out to all of them, right? So there's leverage. I won't do anything that's a bit more one-on-one -on -one or things that will take up too much of my time. Yeah, Shannon, you were saying? You want to spend minimal effort on these old leads that already rejected you. And if they do revive and becomes a new lead, it's a bonus for you. Uh, because it's easier for you to extend the lifetime value of your current clients than to revive an old lead that you can't close or you have not closed or failed at closing. This is a set. Yeah. I've tried everything before. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so in terms of like email-wise, there is, there is a framework called Revival Framework. Now, it's not guaranteed, right? Again, like you, you have to make sure that you have enough people. So let's say you have a thousand people. If you do a revi revival email sequence, uh, you should be able to bring back some uh, potential sales that will want to get on a call with you or something like that. But again, I won't sweat on it. I will only jump on a call on people who want to get on a call with me. Make sense? Yep. So regarding the revival email sequence, if I go, if I go and uh, touch on that, right, it will take another one hour. So um, I think I'll probably have to do another training on that in the future. Okay. okay? So I hope that answers your question, Hui Xing, and thank you, uh, Shannon, for your answer as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think Mado asked this question. Um, it, okay, he said, sometimes the hardest people to invite for consultation are friends or family uh, because they know you. Because they know you, how do you start inviting them for a consult? I have an answer, but I want to hear your answer first. 
<laughs> okay, so uh, I agree that it may be the hardest, but still back to my first step. Like I said, the structure that I share is the is it works. Frame them saying that you know I know we are friends, I know we are family, and 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 now here's the thing: when you go into this consultation with me, I want you to see me not as a friend or a family, but see me as a financial advisor that is here to serve, that is here to change your financial portfolio for the greater good. Can I have the permission for you uh, to actually view us and our relationship in a different light, so that we can deal with this very professionally uh, for you? So. When you deal with it sincerely, authentically, and say it in such a manner, you actually gain more respect and you gain more trust and confidence. Because a lot of friends and family have this mindset that they just want to support you. And when people want to really support you, they don't necessarily go, they don't necessarily buy from you what they truly want. They just like, oh, support you. So you want to change the frame right from the start. Yeah, that's my answer. What about you, oh, that's, that's really amazing. Uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting that because personally, I was I was just trying not to uh, go for friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, yeah, maybe because I'm a marketer, so I, I think a bit differently. But yeah, I, I don't usually try to target friends and family because for me, it's like, I, I rather just cast the net wide in terms of marketing. I just yeah. try to attract people. Uh, I throw out value and I attract people who want it. Yeah, yeah, so that's more from a marketing standpoint. Yeah, but yeah. that is a fantastic answer. I wasn't expecting that, Shen. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, Thomas has another question. Okay. Uh, Thomas Chen. So he said, uh, assuming it's a, okay, so let, his question is a bit long. So let me just, let me just okay. ask this, okay? Assuming it is a physical sales, what is the time frame we should give ourselves to convert a stranger to a friend, to a prospect, to a client? Are there any signals to proceed on each level? Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a precise question. Okay. First of all, yeah. if you guys are watching my co uh, content, uh, do let me know, okay? It's my first time. So let me know. Uh, I think uh, for my question, to, my, my standards may be slightly different from your standard depending on your industry. Okay, let me state it first. Uh, but generally from first touch point all the way to closing, it should not be nothing more than 20 minutes to 30 minutes. But if 20 minutes, maybe you say if paperwork is not so intensive. But I know financial advising sometimes, for example, most some of you, some of your audience probably is financial agent or property agents or some sort. There's a lot of paperwork to do. Probably will keep it to like 30 to 35. Yeah. And that is the same time frame that I, 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 I use when I have a colleague coming to me, going on a Zoom call, then paying me uh, between 15 to 25 grand later. That is the, that is the truth. So um, the, the right question, uh, the right advice that I should be giving you is that don't set limiting beliefs on yourself and think about how can you hit within a time frame that you want to hit. That is the actual uh, direction that you should be thinking about. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I guess last thing is that you don't have to turn them to a friend. Just turn them to a client. <laughs> Skip the face. Yeah. <laughs> Not all client has to be friend. Uh. Can I just first say like sometimes it can be just transaction i mean you add value to them right but doesn't mean that you have to be friend with everyone if not i think you'll be you'll be too busy to run a business if you have your friend with every single one does it make sense yeah yeah so that, that'll be my, my my answer on that uh but mm -hmm. i used to follow a framework called 137 when it comes to following up so uh it's called one day three days seven days so generally speaking if i were to uh, go on a sales call on the first day um, then, you know, I'll usually at least follow up with them uh, three days later. Now, obviously, I'll, I'll close the sales yeah. on the day itself. Uh, but if, let's say, there's any any delays or, or let's say, you know, um, 
if it's not something they can pay on the spot, for example, let's say the ticket is big, they have to talk to their partners or whatsoever, uh, then usually I'll at least follow up in the next three days and then seven days. So usually about within a one week period. If that if yeah. that makes sense, yeah. So so my, my one of my uh, advice for you for anybody who is following up with clients, uh, your job requires to do multiple appointments before you actually secure a sale. I know some industry does that. You want to at the end of your sales conversation from your first meeting secure the next follow up actions. Mm. Not secure the deal, but secure the next follow up session. So for example, because I not only close I mean events or or, or, or investment opportunities. I also close businesses uh, in terms of transactions, right? Uh, I wouldn't say what, uh, but here's the thing. One of the things that we also do multiple follow-up. So one of the easy way for us to do this is at the end of conversation, say that, okay, so based on what we have discussed, this is what we have agreed. The next time that we're meeting is, can it be this day and this time? Will you be available? And the person saying yes, okay, could you mark your dates down because I have many appointments and if you don't, if you miss that appointment, I will may take a long time to meet you the next time and you may not be able to get the help that you want to get from me, uh, unfortunately. I respect your time and I really want to ensure that you don't treat this as just another prospecting appointment. It is not. I am in demand, for example. So then that is where they take it much more seriously. It is our responsibility to make sure that they take things seriously. That is my belief. Right. Mm. Then in your next follow-up appointment, then there is where you get one step closer to yourself and then you say the same thing again. In summary, this is what we have concluded. All I need for you is to actually fill the paperwork and actually sign it and send it back to me by this date. Can you commit to that? Mm. Great. So I will have my assistant to tend to your paperwork once you have submitted. So please make sure that you're on time. So <clears throat> professionalism, expectations, follow-up. And follow-up as though... Uh, Follow as of what you have promised. Mm. Mm. That's good. Love it. Um, okay, so we have really gone about more than slightly more than an hour. So I'll probably just uh, yeah, I'll I'll probably just uh, yeah, I'll probably take maybe just one last question if you guys have any uh, any other questions. Uh, but right now, I think someone someone asked like uh, where can we find Shannon's Telegram group? It's right in the comments. <laughs> yeah, I already pin it up. At the, at the top of the comments. So I really pin it so you guys can actually find it from there. Yes, yes. Okay. Join me for more sales tips if you're interested, if you feel that my content is useful. Uh, yeah. Good to understand and know more, more of you. Uh, I'll, yeah. be, I'll be very, very curious and excited to get to know all of you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, cool. I think we'll just end it today. Uh, but any final thing that you want to say to uh, the audience who is watching right now? Mm, I think, well... I guess I just want to summarize what I've mentioned. Uh, sales is sales is like us. Sales try to treat sales like a game, like a tug of war. Uh, you are a salesperson and your prospect is right. It's all about who wins the sale. So it's either they close you on their mentality or you close them on their mentality. And the difference between a good and a great salesperson lies in your salesmanship, lies in the details, lies in your transition, lies in the seven steps that I've mentioned. And yeah, if you want to know more, then join my Telegram group. <laughs> yeah. Go, yes. Join the Telegram group, guys. It's free, okay? Yeah. All right, that's all I have for you guys. I hope that you guys have uh, received massive, massive value to get, uh, today with uh, Shannon. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we won't be able to take in any more questions, but if you guys have any, any, uh, any other questions, I think in the future, Shannon will be doing more videos uh, and more training in the Zoom call. Uh, so you actually can, uh, I'll actually send some of the remaining questions coming in because we're already running very late. 
Okay. But yeah, with that in mind, um, thank you so much for joining us. Hope you guys have received value. If you've learned something, just comment yes in the comment section. Uh, tag mm -hmm. your friends and, your, uh, and, and share this video with people that will benefit from this, okay? Thank you. All right, that's it, guys. All right, bye for now. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Gabriel again. And really quickly, I just want to thank you so much for listening to the Story Impact Show. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Don't forget to drop me a review on iTunes and your comments will help me greatly in creating more killer content like this just for you. And if you want to stay up to date with all my content, upcoming podcasts, events and much more, please jump onto my website at www.heygabrielwong.com.